0: As we continue this morning considering the words of a man named James, I want you to be aware with me that our words are very powerful. The things that we say, as I was sharing with our children a few moments ago, have the ability to build up or to tear down. Apart from the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, our words are generally destructive. What I mean by that is we need wisdom that comes down from above into our lives in order for our lips, our tongues, our mouths, our words to become positive in their impact. And I'm going to say some things this morning that are going to be uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable for me. They were uncomfortable for me as I was studying and preparing. But one of the things I want to say right at the very outset is this. You need to understand, I need to understand, we all need to understand that our words give a glimpse into the condition and the state of our heart in relationship to Jesus Christ. There are a lot of places in Scripture that talk about words. But James devotes an entire chapter to controlling our tongues and the impact of our speech. Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 12. We'll see that a little while later. Sometimes I think we jump into Scripture and we have people sitting among us who say, I don't get it, I don't understand. So before we ever jump in today... Let's get the sermon out there in a much more simplistic form, shall we? How many of you have heard of Aesop's fables? Okay. He wrote a fable that went like this. Once upon a time, a donkey found a lion's skin. And thinking it would be great fun, he put it on and he strutted around and he frightened many other animals with it. Soon after that, a fox came along, and the donkey put the skin on and attempted with all of his might to scare the fox. But the fox heard the voice of the donkey, even though he saw the appearance of the lion. And he said to the donkey, if you want to terrify me, you'll have to disguise your bray. Aesop's moral is this. Clothes may disguise a fool, but his words will give him away. Now, having told you that fable, I want us to read James chapter 3. Because James says the same thing, just in a very different fashion. He wants us to understand how powerful our tongues are, and that by nature they are hypocritical and can only be transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to open it to James chapter 3. If you don't, but you've got your phone, find your your app, get it open. Go to James chapter 3. And once you've got your Bible, your app open there, if you can, will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning in honor of our Heavenly Father as we talk about the tongue. Let's read and see what James says, beginning in James chapter 3 at verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth, Come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask this morning you bless the reading of your word. And Lord, I pray that now you would help each one of us to close out the distractions around us. And to allow your Holy Spirit and the piercing light of your word to penetrate into the core of our beings. That we might see the truth. That we might understand our need for you. And that we would allow you to do a transforming work in our lives. Father, show us your way now. But We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. You may be seated. Most people want to be heard. One of the dangers of that in the church is because people want to be heard. What better way, they think, to be heard as a believer than to be a teacher of the gospel? James starts off his writings at the very outset saying, whoa, just a minute. Don't put yourself out there unless you think you're really ready to handle it. Let God reveal to you whether or not you truly are ready to handle it because you need to understand that those who teach are going to be held to a higher standard. They're, they're going to be judged more strictly. That's one reason why I always approach this pulpit with a sense of fear. I know a lot of people don't understand what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it, and I want you to take it into your mind, and I want it to register, and I want you to think about it in the days to come. And I hope that occasionally when you walk in and you see this, you will understand this is not just a piece of furniture. This is God's sacred desk. And behind this pulpit, he places those that he has called and purposed. And it's a weighty responsibility, and it's a frightening responsibility. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I'm not adequately prepared? What if I say something that's not scripturally correct? Oh, not to fear, there are always those who are going to correct me whenever I say something that's wrong. (laughs) This is how God helps people like me deal with our insecurities. And it's a good thing. What comes out of our mouths is important. I understand that as a preacher and a pastor. But it's not just me that that's important for. It's important for all of us. And so, what I want to do, I, mean, I know this was, man, you're saying that was a long passage of scripture. He can't possibly do that justice. You're exactly right. It was lengthy, and I can't possibly do it justice in in the brief time that I have. But I want to break it down into three sections, and I want you to see these three sections with me because I I think if we do that, at least we get the gist of what James' third chapter is about. And it begins with with two challenges and concludes with an exhortation. So if we can't, let's begin with the two challenges, shall we? The first challenge is this, a challenge to understand the power of the tongue. I mean, I I like to put it like this because James nutshells it for us, basically. He says, if you control the tongue, you control the man. And I know that that sounds ridiculously simple, but it's true. If you've got your Bible open, I hope you'll keep it open. Look at verse 2 with me. Because James says this, he says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man. How many perfect people do we have in here this morning? I'm not seeing any hands. If there are no perfect people in here, then that means that we've all spoken incorrectly. We've all done things that are wrong. But he says this. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, his words are always perfect. He's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. He's, he's arguing from the greater to the lesser. He's arguing, you want to control the whole body? You got to control this little thing in here first. That's how it's, it's greater to lesser. What James was wanting his readers And his listeners to grasp is that if they can control their tongue, they'll be able to control everything about themselves. Because, you see, this is the most out-of-control part of anybody is their mouth. It's the tongue. It's the words that we spew out. And James gives two marvelous, strong, powerful illustrations right here in verses 3 and 4. You can look at them. The first illustration he gives is of a horse. A powerful beast. It was one of the most powerful animals known to men in that time. It's still considered powerful. How do we measure, guys, y'all are on this one. How do we measure the power of an engine in a car? By horsepower. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) We understand the strength of this beast. And here James says, but you know, we just put a little bit in its mouth. And all of a sudden, we have complete control over this beast. We control it with just a, a bit. And he says, look, if you don't understand this horse thing, if you haven't been around animals, surely you've seen pictures or paintings or you've gone down to the seashore and you've seen those mighty ships sailing across the waters. the massive. Driven by the wind, driven by the waves, and in today's culture, driven by engines but controlled by a little rudder. The rudder is so small in comparison to the ship. In fact, if you're not in the proper place, you won't even see it. I mean, most of it's under the water concealed. You're not even going to see it or be aware of it. But by that little rudder, the pilot of that ship, the captain of that ship, is able to turn it wherever he wants it to go, to navigate it and direct it so that it goes where it needs to go. You see, by little things, big things are controlled. James is saying that because he wants us to understand. This little thing in our mouth, our tongue, can control our entire body. It sets our direction. It charts our course. It moves us in a positive direction or in a negative direction. And I want you to know something this morning, my friends. I want you to hear me very clearly. An out-of-control tongue can cause outrageous damage. Our culture is aflutter with that right now. Our society is on fire, if you want to put it in those terms. It is burning down right now because people have forgotten the power of their words. In one careless moment, an out-of-control tongue can speak words that do damage that may take years to be undone. Or they may speak words that will never, never be undone. You see, one of the bad things about the words that come off of our tongue, once they're out there, you can't take them back. And you can say, well, I didn't mean it. That doesn't take it back. You can say, I was wrong. I, I, I didn't, it, that, I just didn't express myself well. That doesn't take it back. And so the damage that is done, it's out there. It's real. James goes on in verses 5 and 6, and he talks about our words being, our tongue being like a wildfire. We say things, it just sets off a spark and things begin to... Listen, words can be positive too. Before you get all down in the mouth, understand words can be positive. They can encourage, they can strengthen, they can build up. But at the same time, they can be negative and angry and harsh and they can tear down. So what do my words do? Your words reveal the condition of your heart. I, I know... A lot of people say, well, that's not true. I said something and I didn't mean it. That's not really what's in my heart. Okay, if you won't believe me, can I ask you a question? Will you believe Jesus? That was kind of weak. I'm thinking some of y'all really don't want to know what he has to say about it because maybe you're not going to like it. If you won't believe me, I pray that you will believe what Jesus says. Because here it is. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, for you note takers, jot this one down. Matthew 12, 34. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know what's in somebody's heart? Listen to what they got to say. They may cover it. They may camouflage it. They may do all kinds, but eventually it's going to come out. You know, I I was reading this passage, I was putting these thoughts together in my mind, I thought, man, you know, if I stop preaching right here, this is a miserable message. The tongue is a deadly poison. No man can control it or stop it. But thankfully, that's not the end of the message. We're not left to ourselves. So let me throw at you a second challenge. The second challenge is this, that we need to understand the hypocrisy of the tongue. hypocrisy. Listen, you don't have to have been in church all your life to think to yourself, that's not a good word. Hypocrisy. Hypocrite. Hypocritical. Uh, Let's just very quickly, because I know most of you know this, but maybe some of you don't. Hypokritos, the Greek word. Where does it come from? Other than the Greek language. Thank you. (laughs) It's from the theater. It's from the theater. You see, in the ancient theater, An actor would not just play one role in the production. They would play multiple roles, usually at least two. And they would have two masks. They would have one mask that showed them as a smiling, happy character. And they would play their role behind that. But at some other point in the play, they would throw up a sad, mean, ugly mask. And they would be someone different. They were a person with two faces. They were two-faced. They were hypocrites. That was a word for actor. Hypocrite. Hypocrite has come to be something totally different in our culture. (laughs) Same meaning, but applied a little bit differently in life. Someone who's two faced. Someone who may say one thing to your face, but whenever they're away from you, they're going to say something different. They're going to be kind to you in front of you, but they're going to be mean to you whenever you're not around. They're two faced. They're hypocritical. Well, do you know what? James says, we've all got a problem with our tongue. Doesn't matter who you are. Your tongue is a hypocrite. Sorry if that shreds your day. Just want to get the facts out there for you. Verses 9 through 12, he talks about this very thing. He he says, look, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be... Our hearts ought to be tuned to such a place with the Lord that out of our mouths come praise and praise and praise. But it doesn't always work that way. In fact, until the tongue and the person to whom it is connected experience redemption at the hand of Jesus Christ, that tongue is going to be a problem maker continual and continuous. You see, reality is even for those of us who have been redeemed, even those of us who are Christians, we still have a problem sometimes keeping this tongue in check, don't we? Thank you for that, amen. The rest of you, y'all need to get with the program here. Because even after we come to know Christ, even after He saves us, even after He redeems us and makes us a new creation, we still have a problem. Our tongues still sometimes get out of control and say things they shouldn't, say things in a way they ought not to. We inflict damage. We hurt relationships. We hurt people we love with things that we say. The tongue is a perfect example of the process of sanctification, if you want to get right down to it. For those of us who know Christ, who've been born again, our tongue is a picture of the already but not yet of Christian sanctifications. We're already saved, we're already redeemed, but we are not yet perfected. We're in a process, we're on our way, and hopefully we can get it and do a little bit better. But the tongue can be used either way, good or bad, worship or cursing. But for those of us who know Jesus Christ, I want you to hear me. I understand we struggle. We're struggling through the process of sanctification. But friends, listen to me. This hypocrisy should not be our reality. And we should not settle for it. We should not be satisfied with it. And we should not accept it. James is not saying that they're unbelievers because of the hypocrisy of their tongue. You got your Bible? Take a quick look. Look at what comes out of James' mouth at the end of verse 10. My brothers, my brothers, this should not be so. He wasn't saying they were lost. They're his brothers. They're his sisters. They are family in Christ. He's not doubting their salvation because their tongue has a problem. But he is telling them, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's work to get our tongues and our mouths and our words under control. So that God can be used and God can be glorified by what comes out of us. We ought to be growing to become more consistent, more Christ-like, more loving in our speech. And can I just tell you something? It's a struggle for everybody. Me included. But I'm going to tell you something I've found. I've found. The closer I walk to Him, the more consistent I am in spending time in His Word and spending time in His presence, the easier it becomes to keep the tongue in check. Now, beware, because about the moment you think, yeah, I got this under control, that dude will pump you right in the head. I'm telling you. About the time you think, man, me and God, we've got this tongue thing down. And about that time, Satan just breaks loose out of your lips. And you find yourself saying, how on earth? We'll never be perfected until we reach glory, my friends. But that doesn't mean we stop trying to let him do his perfect work in our lives. Two challenges. Understand the power of the tongue. Don't ever doubt the power of the words that come out of your mouth. They can do great things and they can do great harm. And understand the hypocrisy of your tongue. That's what we're working to bring into check. But finally, here's the word of encouragement, of exhortation. We must acknowledge the source of our tongue's redemption. James was pretty direct here. I want you to see this with me. He talks about the wisdom of this world. And can I just tell you something right now? This world thinks it's got a whole lot of wisdom. Turn on the news for 30 minutes. You'll have heard more than you need to hear for the next week of the world's wisdom. But let me show you what James says about worldly wisdom. If if you've got your Bible, look at this. Verse 15 such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. It's earthly, it's unspiritual, and he says it's even demonic. Worldly wisdom will lead you to a tongue that is infused with bitterness, a tongue that speaks harsh and destructive words, that reveals itself in envy and selfish ambition, that is accompanied by bragging and the denial of the truth, which in turn, he says in verse 16, leads to disorder and every evil practice. And let me give you the bad news. Because we are part of a fallen race of people, that is our default setting. It's what we turn back to. The good news is that there is redemption in Jesus Christ, there is hope in our Savior. There is a transforming power that is unleashed to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is found nowhere else on the earth and cannot come from any other source. Redeemed speech only comes from godly wisdom, which can only come down to us from above by God, by the indwelling of His Holy Spirit who moves into our hearts and our lives and takes up residence when we become followers of Jesus Christ. It leads to pure, peaceable speech. It comes from God's redeeming grace. Where our speech and our wisdom are worldly, we see the earthly, unspiritual, demonic that is unleashed by what we say and what we do. Because our actions will follow our words. But if our speech reveals wisdom, purity, peace that comes from God, something, something from above has taken root in us. And it's spreading throughout our lives. That's why James concludes saying, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Aesop was right. That shouldn't be a surprise because the reality is he was right because well, Jesus is right. Our speech and the type of wisdom that governs our lives displays the condition of our hearts. I want to ask you a question this morning. What does your tongue reveal about your heart? Does your speech reflect Christ in you? Are you increasingly maturing in your speech, your communication? Or have you found, like James says, that your tongue is a restless evil that you just simply can't control? Listen, James wanted to teach us That apart from Christ, there is no way to control the tongue. You say, well, where does James come up with this? The Holy Spirit of God inspired him to write this. I would venture, I guess, somewhere along the way he had conversations with some people like, I don't know, Peter. Who had to learn to control a brash tongue. As well as a number of others, because here's the reality, we all have that in our unredeemed state. Redeemed speech, redeemed wisdom comes only from one source. you know what that is? The Redeemer. You're not going to have that apart from Jesus Christ. So here's the reality, if we want our words to be encouraging, if we want our conversations to build up. If we want what we have to say to make a positive impact in the lives of those we love, those we work with, those who are near to us, those who are dear to us, we must cast ourselves daily on the mercy of the Redeemer and pray that he will continue his work of overthrowing this demonic little organ inside of our heads called the tongue. So that what we say can encourage and build up and show love. Rather than discourage, tear down, and build up bitterness. There's probably somebody sitting here saying, why on earth would he preach this? Thank you, it's in the Word of God. That's my calling. Number two. Even those of us who think we've got it under control don't. Number three. Jesus has told us we are to be salt and light in this world, and we are living in a culture, a society that literally has set itself on fire with the power of words, whether they are spoken or written, and they are being cast around on social media and in the news and in the newspapers. And my friends, we need to be salt and light and let our words season the world in which we live and make a difference. Are you doing that? If your answer is no, let me say to you, brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. (laughs) There ought to be no question in the minds of those who meet us and hear us speak, whom we belong to. Maybe the problem is you don't belong to him. Hear me. The God who created you loves you. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. But you can never connect to that plan. You can never fulfill that purpose until you become a child of God. Now, I know everybody says, well, we're all children of God. No. Let's just get it square out there. No. We are not all children of God. We are all the creation of God. But you only become a child of God when you are brought into His presence by our Lord Jesus Christ. After He has washed you clean by His shed blood and you have turned to Him in repentance, seeking forgiveness and new life. Then you become a child of God. I am a child of God. Many of you are children of God. Some of you have been fooling yourself and others around you for a long time. And perhaps this morning, it's time to throw yourself on the ground before the cross and ask Jesus to do a work in your heart and in your life. He'll do it. You might say to yourself, but what are people going to think about me? If I were to go forward and make that decision today, if if I were to acknowledge that I was lost and people have known me for years and years and decades and and they think I'm a Christian, what are they going to think? I have two words for you. Who cares? If you can walk out of here a child of God, redeemed, forgiven, cleansed, made whole by the love of Jesus Christ, who cares what anybody else thinks? Do you need to know him this morning? If he's calling you, you know that you need to know him. That's him calling, by the way. You're not going to figure that out on your own. That's going to be the Spirit of God drawing you. In a moment, when we stand and begin to sing, would you just come and tell me, I, I need that relationship. I won't embarrass you or put you on the spot, but I'd love to share with you today how you can become a child of God. I'll just show you from the Word of God. It's not me doing it, it's him doing it. Brothers and sisters, what's coming out of our mouths? Are our hearts right? If they're not, today, during these next few moments, would you talk to God and ask Him to renew your heart? To cleanse you from any unrighteousness? To take control of your life? To take control of your tongue? And to let you be salt and light? wherever you go. Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of commitment. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. If you need this morning to give your heart, your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to come. Take me by the hand. Let's just visit for a moment. Let's pray together. I, I won't embarrass you. Put you on the spot. Perhaps you're my brother or sister in Christ, but you've been listening this morning, and maybe, maybe God has put a man. I mean, it's like a movie screen in front of your mind, and you're looking and you're seeing the faces of family members, of loved ones, of coworkers, of classmates that you've spoken to, and you've hurt their feelings, you've wounded them with your words, you've not allowed your tongue to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Perhaps you need to make that right with the Master this morning. Maybe you need to take steps to make that right with that person today or tomorrow when you see them. Whatever it is that he speaks to your heart, whatever it is that he shows you and reveals to you, I want to ask you this. Would you just hear him and be obedient? If he's calling you to a relationship with him, come. Let's start that relationship. If he's calling you to surrender your tongue, your heart, new and fresh today because you haven't been doing that, do it. Let him take control today. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. It's so challenging. Lord, when I open it and I read these words, it's not that it's pointing at somebody else. It's all pointing at me. It's my tongue. It's my heart. But I know I'm not alone. (laughs) We all struggle in this matter. That's why you spoke so clearly so in-depth about it. Father, we can't fix it ourselves. The only way for our hearts to be controlled is through the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning for each one of us that that power would flow over this place and through each of our lives. For those who are in this room who do not know you, have never met you through your Son, I pray that today you would convict them of their sin. Draw them to yourself. Help them to understand that there is hope in Jesus. There is cleansing through salvation that comes only from Him. That He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one will ever come to you. No one will ever be your child apart from coming through Him. I pray, Father, draw the lost. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for myself. Show us the wickedness of our hearts. Open our eyes to see the impact that our words have had. That we might turn from that and pursue you speaking words of peace and love and healing. Father, help us today to tame our tongues through the power of Jesus Christ. Words in his name we pray this. Amen.